welcome back to episode 12 of Hedging Happiness. I first, Luke, I need to apologize to all our listeners, all our followers for not releasing an episode last week. Luke and I had recorded a, what we thought was a really good episode and as life happens, things get busy and unfortunately our very high budgeted staff could not get to editing the full episode. So again, I apologize for that. We're looking, we're looking for a, a producer out there that's got a little bit more capacity, uh, if anyone's interested exactly. in uh, not getting paid. To, de- to deliver, to, yeah, not getting paid and uh, fully delivering to our 20 listeners that we, we have out there. Anyways, we're back again this week. This week's episode, we're going to do a week 12 recap with a college football kind of playoff discussion. A big special on Thanksgiving Day football, where we'll talk about all three of the NFL games and the Egg Bowl, Mississippi versus Mississippi State, and then we're going to do a snake draft of Thanksgiving sides and Thanksgiving desserts with a little bit of a twist, so stay tuned for that. And we have our first ever guest coming back onto the show. He's with us right now. Welcome back, Mike Beasler. Recurring guest now. Recurring guest, our first ever guest. He's back on again. We're excited to have you. We've been trying to get him back on for a couple weeks now. Finally got him back on. We are looking forward to talking football. And that's what Mike does best. In addition to being a fantastic father and good at his job, of course. And make sure I'll throw <laughs> that in there. Also very good at talking football. Very good at talking football. So, since he's used to this and everything... He's experienced. He's a vet of the Hedging Happiness podcast. We're going to kick it over to him with the first game, the first review from Week 12, that being number 7, Michigan State, at number 5, Ohio State. Yeah, so that was uh, that was your ultimate chip pumping right there. Uh, Mel Tucker coming into the game, like, ready to sign his $100 million contract, you know, sky high, ready for the upset. And uh, it was pretty clear from the get-go that they are just not in the same league right now as Ohio State. So, you know, I was a little bit iffy on Ohio State going into the year. They've got their redshirt freshman quarterback, C.J. Stroud, and uh, he's just been improving every week, absolutely lit it up. I think it was like six TDs, three or four incompletions, 400 bills, um, just just really impressive. I think I said this in on the, the first on, half. In the first half, yeah. Shout out, uh, shout out by uh, Mahomes as well, which was pretty cool. Um, I think two two things have like come to fruition with Ohio State. One is, I mean, it's pretty clear their their receiving core is the best in the biz. Um, they just stretch you horizontally, horizontally, vertically better than anyone else in the country. Maybe Bama can contend with that, but um, you know, Chris Olave and, and company, they're they're phenomenal, and uh, Stroud is he's spinning it with the best of them recently. And I think their their bigger change is though their special teams coordinator took over play calling on the defensive side, I think like three or four weeks ago. And uh, ever since that, is, that change has happened and come to fruition, their defense has turned it around. Um, it's kind of led by their defensive line play. They're, they're finally getting home to the quarterback and uh, they're rolling. They're a unit. I don't see them losing. Um, we might talk. We might touch on the Ohio State Michigan game later, but I, I don't see them losing uh, until the playoffs. So pretty, pretty fun to watch, and um, yeah, they definitely got it rolling. 
Do you do you see Ohio State as the only threat, the only legitimate threat to Georgia? Um, yeah, the only legitimate threat for sure. Uh, I just don't think Bama has – Bama's really bad up front this year. Um, way, way worse than they've been in a long time up front. Um, obviously incredibly talented. They're too young on defense. They're too inexperienced up front. Ohio State has the experience on their offensive line. Um, my only concern is just the the quarterback play from Ohio State. I know he's he's killing it recently, but UGA is stupid. Um, they're they're stupid up front. That quote by the South Carolina. Did you guys hear that quote by South Carolina's coach like four or five weeks ago? I think they, he's they a got, goofball, but uh, he is it. a goofball. But he's he's got good sound bites. They were like, so why did you guys struggle? with UGA this week. He's like, well, they've got 19 five-stars on defense, and then their backups are all five-stars. They're really, really athletic. They're really, really talented, and they're really well-coached. Then that's why we lost. <laughs> and, uh, I I mean, he's not he's not, he's not, not lying. So I, I would say Ohio State would probably be their biggest contender. If that game were played in two weeks, instead, instead of – because it's – it's Bama, Georgia in two weeks, and that line's Georgia minus four and a half. If it were Bama, Ohio State, what do you think the line would be? I would say maybe seven and a hook would be my guess. S- seven for Georgia? Yeah, seven and a half, I think. Wow. That's yeah. high. Yeah, I, I just, they're rolling. They're so stupid. They're, they're so wait, you think it would be higher than the Bama line? I do because I think there's a perception out there that Ohio State struggles against the SEC, and there's and then you got the Bama thing, right? Um, everyone thinks Bama's better than what they what Bama's probably better than what they actually are. Um, yeah, I mean Bama's not making the playoffs. We'll get to that later, but they're gonna lose to Georgia. Okay. Interesting take. I love when you talk about quarterbacks. Being a former quarterback yourself, the way you say like cj stroud right now he's spinning it it's just that's that's cool <laughs> it's good lingo yeah, spinning it. there's there's certain yeah. lingo that that's kind of in the fraternity of keys sure in the cues yeah <laughs> all right well another game that certainly had playoff implications was number three oregon at number 24 utah i tried and luckily for luke that this episode did not get produced last week but i tried Oregon was his lock of the week, and I tried to tell him to be cautious. Prove because it. Because Utah is a Prove tough it. team. Let's hear the right. Let's hear the, the tape. Bites. I still have the tapes, but again, we don't have a big enough staff for last week. But anyways, I tried to tell him to be cautious because Utah is starting to come into form, and Oregon is going the opposite direction. Utah is a tough place to play. The altitude, all things considered, and it wasn't even a game. You're shaking your head right now, Luke, because you don't you don't necessarily believe it. Because the I altitude thing, the it. altitude was 28 points, or the affected the line by 28 points. I texted you after the game, and I you go, yeah, the altitude. <laughs> yeah, well, that's see, this should have been a game. You should have taken Utah on the alternate line minus 28 because they absolutely destroyed Oregon. I'm glad that they did because. Now let's get Oregon, let's get the Pac-12 out of the conversation of the Final Four. Let's get them out. If that was Georgia, if we were watching this game in three or four, or you know, a month from now, in the semifinal, that would it would have been a 45-50 point game because Georgia would have absolutely smoked these guys. I'm glad that Utah won. 
Pac-12 is officially done, and I pre- that's pretty much the take on this game. Is now now the Pac-12 is out. Let's move on. Let's do get you, let's get do a you new have, new do team you place the like merit in the Oregon destroying Ohio State at or in Columbus less than you know two months ago, or is that just kind of a early season fluke game? Ohio State was playing a young quarterback; they hadn't quite figured it out yet. I think it's a combination between a few things: early game in the year, and I I think Oregon's team is different, and I think Ohio State's team is different mm-hmm. right now. Ohio State's playing a lot better with their like you said, inexperienced quarterback who's starting to figure it out. And I don't know exactly. I'm not a huge – I don't follow Oregon football very much. But I do know they've suffered a few injuries mm-hmm. to important players. I, their best player was their running back, who ran for like 200 yards in that Ohio State game. Analytics, team, last analytics team has to jump in there. I think their best player would be the, the defensive end, Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Yeah. For sure, yes. But my point is, is their biggest playmaker on the offensive side was their running back, who, again, I – think he he ran all over Ohio State that day you were at that game you probably were too many cocktails deep to even remember being on Ohio State minus 14 that game but I was on 14 over them the the thing that like that I I've talked about trying to get better at is that teams evolve as the year goes on and it's very difficult to say like I mean you look back and because college football one loss kind of defines your season or one game defines your season you always look back at that Oregon Ohio State game and say like is Oregon better than Ohio State is Ohio State actually that good but these teams and and teams that are coached by good coaches get better as the season goes on I think that's like what we're looking at here I think you like a lot of like the average fan forgets these are 19 and 20 year olds and like the amount that a like the percentage better that a 19 and 20 year old gets every practice like at that age is so much different than the NFL, right? Like those guys are kind of who they are and they're they're I guess they do improve as as they get older. But that that change from like 18 to 22 and like growing into your body, you're going like you're finally getting probably coached at a good I mean, I was a high school coach. Like there's quality coaches at the high school level, but the the comparison is just night and day. Um and so you like like you said, Luke, like if you get really talented kids into a really good program like the the change from week one to week 10 is astronomical and I think you're seeing that with Ohio State and for some reason you're not seeing it with the Pac-12 teams I I can't quite you know put my finger on why the it seems like the Pac-12 teams get worse as the year goes on compared to the other leagues in the in the country it's weird Oregon's really the only team right now too that you can kind of pinpoint as one of those teams that they recruit really well in in comparison to the rest of the Pac-12 as it kind of matches up to some of the SEC schools. They're probably the only Pac-12 team that you could say recruits on a similar level to these yeah, SEC Yeah, they, fo- they focus on the offense and defensive lines. Cristobal, that's his moneymaker is the, the offense and defensive lines, but I don't know. It's been several years in a row where they just stalled out. Actually burned me a couple times early this year. I didn't know, I didn't know this offensive defensive line like crystal ball thing, and I was like, oh, Oregon of old. Why is this over under fifty five points? It should yeah. be seventy. And quickly, yeah, it's not, quickly it's learned. Not the Chip Kelly world yeah. anymore. Yeah, they're they're like Mikey said though. They're uh, Oregon specifically. They're an interesting team of why haven't they been able to get better with some of the talent they have? They should be rolling teams in the Pac twelve absolutely yep. rolling teams and they're not 
if they were rolling teams and say they lost a close game to Utah and that was their only loss this season, they would very much be in the picture still. But it's the fact that they've played close games. They lost a really bad loss to Stanford, a terrible loss to Utah. That Those two put them out of the picture, even with a really good win at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. All right, Luke, let's go to the SEC. Talk about this last game. Yeah, I, I think it's Arkansas at Bama. And I think it's more the same from Bama. Just like a slightly underwhelming performance. The silver lining for me looking at Bama is they've got an offense and Bryce Young is very good. And their receiving core, as Mike said, is very solid. The question is, and and this, if I'm Georgia, this is what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned that Bryce Young can extend plays. And there are a ton of guys in college football that can extend plays, but he can extend plays and, and hurt you deep. They have the receivers to beat you and then... Any given day, that defense, I feel like, can show up. And Georgia's offense is good, but you, you don't know what you're going to run into from Bama. And, and then you have, you know, Mike probably knows more of the schemes and what Saban can do to to take, you know, put the ball in Stetson Bennett's hands a little bit more than he, they want to. So not a lot on the Arkansas-Bama game. Underwhelming, tight game. But I think there's this look-ahead effect for Bama, and I think they're obviously thinking Georgia because that's where their season's defined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Bama, if you look at the scoreline, what was it? It was a touchdown game? Yep. Uh, 49-42 or 42-35? Anyways, it was a touchdown game. If you look at the score as a Bama fan, you're wondering what happened. But then you look at the stats, and Bryce Young set a record, Alabama record of throwing for 560 yards, their offense can beat anybody on any given day, like you're saying. And Saban has the ability to Belichick teams and shutting down what the other teams are good at. He hasn't done that a little bit with this team. Maybe they don't quite have the talent on defense like Mike was saying earlier. But again, they they have they have guys, right? Like that's that's what we say. Like they have guys that can compete. They them and Ohio State are the only two teams that could put up a fight against Georgia strictly based on talent. And I think that's the key, right, is that if you're playing Georgia, you're not going to beat them by being a very well-rounded team. I put, like, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Michigan, Oklahoma State in that group. I think you're going to beat Georgia by having this firepower, unstoppable offense with a total game-changer at quarterback. And that's what both of those guys have. And so, I mean, I think if Georgia plays Ohio State, Bama, the line's going to be seven or less. If they play any of these other guys, I think it'll be 20. If they, I, if I, they, I mean, I, I've been a big Cincy fan all year. I think I predicted that they would be in, a, in the playoff on week two. But where, where like teams like Georgia, Ohio State, Bama get you is their depth. I don't think people realize that that those guys they played 22 23 guys on defense um whereas Cincinnati's probably playing 13 or 14 right and the guys they're bringing in are five stars and so you get into a fist fight with I mean even Notre Dame that's where Notre Dame's always struggled in my opinion is their depth um Notre Dame cannot overcome significant injuries like a Georgia Bama or Ohio State can um and so I totally agree with you. If they're if they're to play a Cincy or even another, I think Notre Dame actually might sneak into the playoffs. But 
that's where that's they just wear you down. Um, so that's why I like those second half lines become uh, pretty appealing um, as they as they wear you down throughout the course of a game. Yeah, that's a good point. They they certainly because the game against Tennessee was close, and in the second half they, they offense couldn't move the ball. They at just all. wear you down. I mean, it's just it's stupid. They they're playing you know eight or nine pros um, on on defense that it's just, they just come at you in waves and they don't tire. Absolutely. We'll get into that a little bit more here in this upcoming segment. But before we do that, since we didn't put out an episode last week, Luke and I, we we don't even need to go over our picks since nobody heard them. There's no merit to any of these picks. But before we do that, we do need to give credit to our last guest that we had on, Luke's cousin Taylor. He did go 3-0. and I think that's only our second time we've had a 3-0 and uh, slate of games from an individual. So very impressive. As he said in the the lost episode, we will have to have him back on at some point, at the very least, just to send in his picks to see if it was a, if it was a one-off or if he has sustained success. So anyways, congrats, Taylor. I know you were probably disappointed last week not to hear an episode come out so we could uh, so you could hear your credit. We're giving your credit due where it's due this week. 3-0, very impressive. Congrats. Sorry about that Wake Forest game last week, though. He was very he tough. was he was clearly disappointed because I think on Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, I got a, a text from his his wife, Elena, being like, Hey, where's the episode? Taylor Taylor wants his credit. <laughs> so I was getting I was getting chased down by his wife on that one. Clearly clearly proud that of his makes picks, sense. as was- he should be. He should be proud of his picks, and again, it's uh, it was it was a very busy week. So, to everyone who was looking forward to that episode, I apologize. We apologize. We can promise that this week will be out because of our new little NFL Thanksgiving Day special. Before we get into the Thanksgiving Day, we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of the whole college football playoff update. We are recording on Monday, the day before the rankings go out. So we're just going to kind of talk about what we think, who we think is going to be in the top six, and ultimately who we think is going to be in the playoff and, you know, potentially the national championship. I can get started with Oregon losing last week. They're obviously going to drop. I think we're going to see Ohio State move up to number two. Agreed. It'll be Georgia, Ohio Mm -hmm. State, Alabama, Cincinnati, Michigan, and Notre Dame. Yep. That sound about right? Yeah, I think the interesting part will be if Oklahoma State wins this weekend, do they jump Notre Dame into that five spot? Yeah, and not only just this weekend, but they'll also have the Big 12 championship. Yeah. So they'll play, I'm trying to think if they would play a Iowa State, K-State, or a rematch with Oklahoma. That gives another. I think it's a rematch. Yeah, probably another potential top twenty-five win. That would be. I mean, as an Irish fan, that would be my biggest concern. I mean, obviously Notre Dame has to win out, and Cincy has to win out, and Bama has to lose for this to happen. But that'll be very, very uh, intriguing to see that play out. Because I, I could certainly see Oklahoma State jumping Irish. I think there's an kind of a national Irish fatigue in the playoffs. There's, in my opinion, an incorrect. Um, like conception that Notre Dame doesn't belong in the top four, but when you actually go back and look at all their performances, they've actually played fairly well 
they just ran into buzz saws in all of their uh, final four appearances. I'll be honest. I don't think is, it is matters. It... Go ahead. No, I, I'm about to say the same thing you are, where that fourth team, it doesn't matter who that team is. It, it's been unfortunate that it's been fortunate and unfortunate that, that, that it has been Notre Dame because in the last three or four years, we've seen three teams that are pretty much head and shoulders above the rest of the teams. Yeah. And the last th- three years, we've seen one team that is even head and shoulders above the next two teams. Notre Dame has played that team, and they've gotten destroyed. So as a neutral fan, you do get sick of watching Notre Dame play because they are losing by 20-plus in these games. But in reality, that would be anybody. Right. It would be anybody in that game. So it, it will be And it's actually just an absolute I, nightmare of a matchup for Notre Dame as well. Because um, what, what does Georgia, Georgia do? They, 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 yeah, they, what does Georgia do? They take away the run. Like Luke was saying, it, it kind of relies on a special playmaker at the quarterback position to beat Georgia. And we, I mean, we know that the, the current option at Notre Dame's helm is not going to cut it. Uh, so playoff time. I saw a stat that's <laughs> this is unbelievable, but it was like Jack Cohn, who's the Notre Dame's quarterback. He is the highest graded quarterback through what is it, twelve weeks from a Notre Dame quarterback since 2013, and that's not going too far back. But I mean, that means better than Ian Book. I think that's better than Deshaun Kaiser's season, which is absolutely mind blowing. But I think in reality. He has played decent in the last five to four to five weeks, but that he's so limited in what he can yeah. do. So he he's managed the game really well, right? Like he's not turning it over at a high rate. He's completing a high rate of passes. He's probably getting in getting them into plays at a um at, at a decent level. But the thing that Ian Book was good at that probably didn't show up very well in the analytics was his escapability, right? And the ability to extend plays. And that's what it's going to take against Georgia, right? Like, you're not going to get your first read against Georgia. It's just not going to happen. Um, and it's the ability to extend the plays, and you're probably not going to get your second. And so you either have to have an incredible offensive line, which Notre Dame doesn't have right now with their injuries, or you're going to have to have a guy out there that's going to extend plays. And that's not, that's not what Notre Dame has right now. Um, and so it's almost like, as an Irish fan, it's like, Maybe it's better if they sit this year out, right? I would I mean, say, hot take, it might be better for Notre Dame to just like raise hell about not getting into the playoff and how we deserved right. it and everything than going in and playing Georgia and getting crushed again because eventually Notre Dame should have a team that can compete better than they have previously. Yeah. This, and I think we can all agree this isn't that team. And so better to, you know have like the Cincinnati argument of you didn't let us in last year, let yeah. us in this year. Locker room material for next year. Like, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I'm make, all... it, make it, make it to a new year six bowl, hopefully blow that opponent out. And then, then you can yeah. really raise hell about it. Right. Yep. I, I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. So we talked about the big 12 a little bit. I think actually if Oklahoma state beats Oklahoma, it would be Baylor. And Baylor, I think they would play Baylor in the Big 12 championship, oh, wow. which, again, would which again would be an even higher-ranked team because if Oklahoma yeah, loses, they would drop out. Win. So it would be top 15 win, two top 15 wins for Oklahoma State. I think they would probably jump Notre Dame if that were the case. So Big 12 still has a ton to play for. 
as well as the Big Ten. And that big matchup this week is Ohio State at Michigan. And that spread, I think, Luke, you said it before the show, was minus six? It was seven, it was seven and a half, but Mike, did you see it more recently? I thought I saw it this morning at eight. It could very well be. <laughs> so, so it's close to a touchdown, and I could be wrong here, but I feel like we're all on the same page. Is, like, is Ohio State going to blow Michigan out? Is it going to be the same story with another year? I'm done with trap lines. I'm done with trap lines. So you're, this is a trap line as it's too small this time for Ohio State. Yeah, for what gives you any – I was looking at Ohio State's schedule. The last two games that were close at Nebraska and against Penn State, then they crushed Purdue, crushed Michigan State. I mean, I just – I if you're picking Michigan to cover, you're trying to be really smart on this, and you're trying to buck all the trends and what every, everything's saying – and it typically is my style to try and do that, but not this time. Yeah, I mean... What's your take on that game, Mike? Uh, I'm conflicted. I mean, it's going to be cold, right? It's going to be in, like, the low 30s, high 20s, which I don't know if that really matters anymore, but it's certainly something to keep an eye on. Uh, my gut tells me to play the under. Um, I think Michigan's defense is really, really talented, um, but I also, my gut told me to play the under in the Michigan State-Michigan game, and that was a shootout. Uh, so, I, you know, I think, you know, gun to head, I'm, I'm probably going to play you know, Ohio State with the points. So, at the end of the day, though, there's no – how much of a – what percentage are we giving Michigan to win the game? Because we can talk – I don't like – we can talk the spread and who we like, but if we're strictly talking playoff picture – Throw the spreads aside. What percentage are we giving Michigan to win this game? Fifteen percent chance. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say twenty, twenty-five. Yeah, I mean that's that sounds about right. I mean, I just I don't see there being too many ways Michigan wins this game. I don't know if they do, then chaos again, kind of in a weird way. Like Michigan then has a a clear path to the college football playoff. They have to then beat Wisconsin, what it looks like in the big 10 championship, which wouldn't be an easy game. I think that would be a really tough game Two similar teams and how they play. But without, I guess, speculating too much right now, it certainly is. I mean, give me, give me, give me one reason why Michigan wins. They get lucky. That's the only way yeah. they win the turnover battle. They win the turnover battle. It's at home. By plus three. They get ahead, maybe home, get ahead. They win the turnover battle. They get a punt block for a touchdown or a kick return. Some like some s- s- silly things have to happen for Michigan to win mm-hmm. this game. That's the only way I see them winning this game. Yeah, I, I think my play is to tease tease down or tease up the under and uh, tease down Ohio State. Fair enough. Kind of moving away from the top six here. Now that we have Mike back on, we've been kind of giving him a little shade throughout the week, so we're going to give him the floor for two reasons here. The first, though, Mike, if we go back to our second episode, you made the statement, Texas is back. Yes. and uh, when Talk I, about that. Yeah, when I made that statement, it was, it, was, uh, it was accurate. They were back. They were rolling. I was talking to Luke uh, before the show that that first half against OU – they were rolling. Uh, Bijan Robinson was a beast, like I predicted. And uh, 
ever since the second half of the OE game. It's just, it's falling apart. I don't know what it is. It's obviously a culture problem. You've seen that video come out of their D-line coach going, you know, ape shit on their, their whole team. Um, yeah, they're, they're at a quite the conundrum because they're, they're recruiting well, but they're not performing well. And uh, they're now going to join the SEC. So they're going to have to f- figure things out rather quickly. Um, but on the flip side of that, part of the reason why Texas, you know, is falling, falling apart is that massive victory by the Jayhawks. Um, so is it, I think it's safe to say now that, uh, this is week, this is the 12th episode. Is that correct? That, uh, KU is back and, uh, Lance Leipold has resurrected the Jayhawk program and it's like two or three years before they're going to be, uh, contending for a bowl game. How long does that win? extend his tenure at at Kansas for I think regardless of that win they're they're gonna give him three to four years um so now they're putting up a statue they might be um but look they finally hired a football coach right they they hired the Weiss and the Lesma they've they've hired all these like like media figures that was going to generate buzz on ESPN and Fox Sports and those guys couldn't coach ball um, they couldn't recruit, they couldn't coach, they couldn't develop talent, and uh, Leipold's doing that. And I, I, I really do believe in the, in the future of, of the Jayhawk football program to being a perennial bowl contender. With a, I mean, a two-win season with a Big 12 road win, that's such a massive season. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a two-win for, season, for though. For KU? You think, who do they have on the they're schedule? Gonna, they're going to beat West Virginia. Uh, on Saturday. Whoa. They're going to beat West Virginia. Yeah. You know what? They looked good against TCU for a little bit. For a little bit. They looked good the whole game. They just lost in a last-second field goal. That's fair. They, I didn't. What was the final score of that game? I saw 31, I 31-28. So they certainly are competing. They went through a rough uh, spell in the middle of the season, but the last two weeks they've, like you said, he's turned around and figured maybe they've got the culture finally going in the right direction. Prediction of KU football winning against West Virginia. I, I like it. I like it. KU football back. What, what do you give it until they make a bowl game? How many years? Uh, not next year, but the year after. So two more football seasons. This two more season, football next seasons. season. Okay. You heard it here first. Texas is not back, and two more seasons, KU football is back in a, in a bowl game. Absolutely. I like it. All right, do we want to talk about the openings in the college football, the head coaching spots again, or do we want to get into Thanksgiving football? The only thing to report, really, is that Mullen got fired this week, which is something that we've been touching on for a while. And the I've been on the, the message boards, the Tennessee message boards, and it sounds like it could be any number of folks. The hottest names, though, are Kiffin, which would be really interesting for him to join the SEC East after being in the SEC West. Uh, but then there's, you know, I think uh, Napier, who is at the uh, Iowa State, is that right? And I can't remember the other one, but those are the, the Napier names. Napier is that at, are... uh, like, Louisiana Monroe or something like oh, that. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Lafayette. Lafayette, yeah. Yeah, another big-time school that has an opening. This We said it last week. Again, I, we keep talking about it, the lost episode. But there's – this offseason of college football is going to be crazy. It's going to be like NBA. So many big names, so many big-time schools with openings. 
I'm excited to, to see who fills those spots. It certainly will be an exciting offseason of college football, something that usually isn't. Quick, uh, quick, quick power rankings of the openings. What do you think? Like your top, your top three of the openings. schools? Yeah, top two. LSU, Florida, USC. So mine are flip-flopped. I have LSU, USC, Florida. Yeah. I think I just think that USC job and the Pac-12 jobs in general are losing a lot of luster being on the West Coast. You're not getting like primetime games. The, the only thing is I think you can go in there and win quicker than you can at at Florida potentially. Um See, I but, think I, I would agree with that. USC's facilities are terrible. Um but I would put Florida over LSU. Wow. Um, and the reason being is they're on the East. I think, Luke, you alluded to that. But, like, why would you take a job in the SEC West? Like, I know, I know, I know, I know the East has Georgia, and they're, they're not going anywhere. But because um, you got to think, right, that Texas – I mean, who knows where Texas is going to go, right, or, or OU? Is Texas going to go into the West or the East? Is OU going to go to the West or the East? But let's just say that, you know – Texas goes to the east or OU goes and OU goes to the west like you can't compete continually year after year in the west you just can't do it the uh the deeper web of the message boards was saying just that if it was it was talking about LSU and who's the primary candidate there and they're saying why would Lincoln Riley not be interested because LSU will re- you're going to go into the SEC anyway. Let's presume the SEC West, and if you're going to be in the SEC West, you might as well be at LSU where you can recruit. Then o- like Oklahoma is still going to mm-hmm. struggle to recruit at the same level of L- LSU year in year out. So why not just jump ship and and get some better players and and a and a maybe a more prestigious job historically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. All of that makes sense. That's ex- exactly the reason why I had, I guess, USC ahead of Florida. But I, I you know, if, I think it's easier to go undefeated in the Pac-12. And if you go undefeated in the Pac-12, it's an automatic shoe into the college football playoff. What are your chances of winning at USC? Winning the whole thing? Probably not as high if you were to go to one of those SEC schools. It's very interesting, though. Like we were saying. The shakeup of how things will unfold will certainly be something to follow. The thing as the about kind of begins. The thing about USC too is there is no one on the West Coast that is really that good right now. Like, how many kids come from California? Yeah, and, Luke, I was literally know, just gonna say that. Like, like you can go in and not just coming yes. from California anymore. It's coming from the Southeast. Like it's just it's just not. Look at the rankings of the last three or four years. There's not that many five stars from California. There's a, actually Arizona's picking up a little bit, but it's all Texas, Louisiana, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi. Like, it's not that you just got to follow the stars. <laughs> like they'll tell you where all where everyone's going and where the talent is, and it's not from the West Coast. You're exactly right. Yeah, and that's kind of what we we always talk about a little bit. We're not huge into the exact rivals rankings but we do talk about recruiting classes and kind of how they measure and teams that have top recruiting classes typically perform better than those that don't and it's as simple as that at the collegiate level players make such a massive massive difference if you have better athletes that gap is so much 
bigger than the NFL. NFL, everybody's athletic. College, you have your athletes, and then you have your, your decent athletes that are good football players, and there's, I think there's a big difference in those two statements right there. Yeah, if you were if you were to go like watch a Alabama practice compared to a like USC practice, I mean like the the competitiveness of that practice would be night and day, just because there's so many five stars on that practice field. It's just it's stupid. For sure, for sure. So yeah, again, it'll be it's going to be exciting to see what happens. I think Luke, you hit you hit the nail on the head. The the whole West side has lost a little bit of the the luster. You know, the Pete Carroll days are certainly over. The Chip Kelly days are certainly over. And everything has shifted to the southeast and the south. So, all right, let's get in to our Thanksgiving Day special. So, we're not an NFL podcast. We haven't talked about NFL really at all this year. This episode, we're going to break down four games. The three NFL games and then the Egg Bowl, which is Mississippi, Mississippi State. And instead of providing our likes, loves, and locks, we're all going to get a give a pick from each one of those four games. So, let's give a breakdown of the Bears versus the Lions, Mike. I mean, what, what, how else do you not want to start your Thanksgiving day with Tim Boyle versus Andy Dalton? I mean, this is like a matchup made for the Stars, right? Um, I was looking at Tim Boyle. Do you guys want to... Guess Tim Boyle's college uh, stats. No, so he went to UConn, right? He went to UConn for like three years, and then went to Eastern Kentucky. He so you think like you think like okay, so you think like you think like a small college quarterback like that has probably significantly impressive numbers, right? Tim Boyle's college career: twelve touchdowns, twenty six interceptions. And is the starting quarterback on the noon kickoff for Thanksgiving NFL Thursday. What a world. <laughs> uh, versus Andy That's Dalton. Unbelievable. I mean, this is just an absolute disaster of a matchup. You got all the, the Matt Nagy rumors about the players winning him out. Um, Justin Fields is hurt. Um, so my, my, my pick here is the Lions money line. Um, I, I think this is going to be... Terrible game, um, but I, I, I've i been betting the, the, the Lions money in the line the last six weeks. 0 for 6, but this is the week that they turn it around to get their first W. Um, and we're going to see us an awesome quarterback matchup. This is what, I, uh, this is what I'm looking forward to. So in a way, so it, it's like the worst possible NFL matchup we have. Two terrible teams that are trending in the wrong direction, the Bears especially. The quarterbacks, both the starting quarterbacks, aren't playing in this game. Justin Fields for the Bears and Jared Goff for the Lions. They're not supposed to play in this game. Horrible, horrible matchup. But in a way, it's kind of the perfect game to have the, the first slate in Thanksgiving. Yep. Because depending on how you do Thanksgiving, a lot of times you're, you're a little bit busier in that morning, whether you do a you know, turkey trot in the morning or you're prepping for your big feast later. Usually you got around your this cousins. Time, you got your cousins of... coming into town. Everyone's like, gotta do your meet and greet. You know, some people go down to the basement. Some people are you haven't seen them for a year. You know, how's everything going? And you're gonna turn around. It's gonna be the second half, and Tim Boyle is gonna be up seven on a on a on a drive against the Bears. This is how it's gonna work out. I'm telling you. 
Exactly. You're going to be like in maybe into your first glass of wine, but again, you're yeah. you're still like people are still funneling in, so you're like, "Uh, oh, who who is that? Oh, that's you know, that's cousin Eddie. I got to go upstairs and say hi to to Eddie. Okay, I'll go upstairs. Am I going to miss anything in this game? Probably not, which is why this game is such a perfect first game. I will give my pick. So the line in this game is Chicago minus three and a half with the over under of 41 and a half. I like the field goal hook here. I'm on the Lions plus three and a half. What about you, Luke? What do you like here? Yeah, I was uh, I was hoping I was going to get to go last so I could hear both of you make your arguments and then decide what I wanted to do. That like, there's a big part of me that wants to do the over under, but it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel right on Thanksgiving to not be cheering for a team. Or really, I was going to think about doing the under for this game just because of everything Mike laid out. So in light of all that, Mike's going money line, Beezer's going plus three and a half. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll jump on board with you guys and I'll, I'll go Lions plus three and a half. Definitely give me the points though. I don't, I don't trust anything about this game. It's, it's Thanksgiving. It's a, it would be a feel good story if the Lions got their first win on Thanksgiving day. Yeah. So why and not you know, for Tim Boyle? Like, you know, you know, Dan Campbell's just gonna like dive into a turkey leg after the game. You know, he's all about biting the kneecaps and he's just gonna like crush a turkey leg. He might even chug a beer, you never know. Dan Campbell, for those who might not know, he's the head coach for the Lions and he is a bit of a wild card. He has said some pretty ridiculous things. If you're interested, just type in Dan Campbell quotes and you'll find some awesome material. He's a big football The guy. next game, however, he's a big football guy. The next game, though, is a much more entertaining matchup. Depending on where you fall here, we have America's team. It's the Raiders at the Cowboys. The line here is Dallas, minus 7. The over-under here is 51. Luke, you give us a re- like a little preview for this game. Yeah, you know, you got the, the Raiders just in a, in a tailspin. I think the Raiders, ever since Gruden, ever since Ruggs, uh, Ever since both of those have happened, they've the wheels have sort of come off. They've lost their last three games. One of them, the Giants, got crushed by the Chiefs, and they got crushed by the Bengals at home. They're playing the Cowboys. I say all that, though, but this game comes down to who can I see eating the turkey leg at the end of the game? And I just, I see them in a, in a Dallas uniform. I see this one... Not even close. The only thing that concerns me, or the big thing that concerns me, and Mike, we talked about it before the show, is the injuries for Dallas. And one of the biggest injuries, in my opinion, is C.D. Lamb. Like, I think that guy is sweet. And when you have him and Amari Cooper out there, like, it is very, very difficult to stop. I just think this, I think the Raiders have lost motivation. I, I Going into Dallas on Thanksgiving, I don't think anyone's going to want to be there. So I think I think this could be a blowout for Dallas. What do you got, Mike? I'm I'm torn on this one. Um, I agree that CD being out with that concussion is is concerning, but I actually think the bigger loss for the Cowboys is Amari Cooper, right? So what I don't don't think like the average fan realizes when Cooper's on the field, it allows CD Lamb to play in the slot, and everyone kind of knows like the slot cornerback is probably your worst cover corner that you can field on, on, on the field or whatever. And so with, with Cooper being out, that pushes CD out wide, which matches him up against the, the opposing team's top corner and his 
you know, ability has kind of diminished a little bit. So it sounds like Cooper's still out with COVID and, and CD's going to be out with, with his concussion. So I'm actually going to take the Raiders on this one. Um, they're kind of in a tailspin. I get it. Their backs are against the wall. Derek Carr's been really bad the last two weeks. Um, I think the the Cowboys' loss to the Chiefs, I saw a team that was scared on Sunday. They they seemed like a team that was not up for the moment. But they're almost like they got the hype was was too much too soon. Um, and I think that was almost like a, a little bit of a gut check moment for them that they're maybe not as good as they thought they were. The Raiders have every they've got nothing to lose, right? Um, their backs are against the wall, so I'm taking the Raiders with the points. All right, that's a bit. I'll, I'll get to my pick. It's I've got the Cowboys minus seven. Again, I don't know. I don't think the cow. I think the Cowboys are a good team. They do have a bunch of injuries. They did not look good against the Chiefs. I have to say it. Mike and I are huge Chiefs fans. Chiefs are back, baby. Yes, they their are. Defense is looking like a Super Bowl caliber kind of defense. They always have the potential to that offense to break out. Patty Mahomes under center. Anyways, this isn't a Chiefs game. It's the Cowboys Raiders. Look, I I think I was already going to pick the Cowboys, but in the spirit of Thanksgiving, when you were kind of giving me the who's going to be eating the, the turkey leg yeah. at the end of the game, my mind went straight to Zeke in these cereal commercials doing he's eating the cereal and i could just picture zeke eating the turkey leg like that <laughs> and you know the other thing like that, i was thinking about like you know the cowboys are going to wear their like alternate uniforms with like the navy on the shoulder pads and the white that's like the little giants look you know from the 90s like that matters right they're going to come out looking clean um i'm just yeah i'm conflicted on this one and at the at the very least i could say it's a bounce-back game for the Cowboys. Sure, it could be a bounce-back game for the Raiders, but they've had three chances to have a bounce, or two chances to have a bounce-back game. They haven't. The Cowboys are certainly a better team. It's Thanksgiving. They're not America's team in my eyes, but the buzz is going to be for the Cowboys. I've got Cowboys minus seven. Moving on to the last NFL game, we have Bills at Saints. The line here is Buffalo minus four and a half with the over under 46 and a half. I'll preview this game a little bit. Talk about two teams that four weeks ago, before Jameis Winston got injured, both of these teams were being talked about. They could make the Super Bowl. They have a really good shot at making a Super Bowl. For sure, contenders in their respected divisions and their conferences. And they have been trending in the wrong direction. Saints have had a ton of injuries especially to the quarterback, like I mentioned. Alvin Kamara has been hurt. The Bills, on the other hand, I don't know what's going on with them. Maybe, Mike, you could say, give a, your f- football take on what's going on with the Bills, because I certainly don't know what's going on with them. Yeah, they're, they're bad up front. Their, their offensive line is not very good. Their defensive line does not generate any pressures. And I think... Their their offensive talent is not as good as people think, right? Um, obviously, Josh Allen's really good, but they don't have a running back. Um, and they don't have any other option besides Diggs. So it's like they, they've, they've done well. And I, I truly think they've done well because Josh Allen's very, very good. And I know their defense performs well analytically. I think they're like the number one pass defense, number three rush defense. But their defensive line is not not very good they're not getting home 
and they can't defend the run anymore. Um, and then they're they're limited on offense. Um, so they look like a team that's lost their identity, um, and I don't see them recovering in the dome. I, I just don't see it happening. So do you have Saints? I, I'm taking the Saints, and I actually might take the Saints money line. Um, Wait, you think or you are? I, I, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to take the Saints money line. Why not? Love it. Um, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving night, Thanksgiving night in the Dome. Um, I know the Saints struggled last week against the Eagles, but the Eagles are really hard to prepare for. They kind of run your, like, modern college day offense. I mean, um, uh, what's the quarterback's name? Hurts. Hurts. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is carrying it, like, 15 to 20 times a game. Um, and so I don't really give that like a ton of weight, the fact that they struggled against their run game because the, the Eagles run game is complex. It's hard to prepare for on a short week, um, which they and have. And they've got four guys that carry the ball. Yeah. I mean, so it's like, the Eagles. you know, it's like you struggle against the Eagles. They're just kind of, it's kind of like struggling against the Ravens, right? They just, you don't really see that much. Um, I think they're going to recover and I think the Bills are going to continue to struggle. I... I agree, and I was just looking. I, I liked Saints before I, I checked this, but if you look at their six and four right now, their wins are twice against the Dolphins, the Washington football team, the Texans, a early on Chiefs team, and then the Jets. Yeah. And so, like, their six wins like aren't impressive at all. You're going into a tough place to play. I think, I think, I think you got to take four and a half points, right? And, and why would you expect Buffalo to turn it around in a short week, tough place to play? Yeah, so, gosh, going into this show, I'm thinking who I want to take, and I ha- I, I'm going to take the Bills, right? Because kind of of what the same reason people early on kept taking the Chiefs is why I wanted to take the Bills of, all right, they're, they're so much, they're a better team than the Saints are at this moment. But maybe they're not. Maybe they haven't. They can't turn that corner like we, what we thought the Chiefs were going to do for, for all those weeks early on. The Chiefs are starting to turn that corner. The Bills might turn that corner. You guys have talked me out of the Bills turning that corner on Thanksgiving in the Dome. I think playing in the Dome is going to just be a really tough task for a Bills team that is struggling. I, I'll go the Saints plus four and a half. I don't like it. I, I, I really don't think this is going to be a great game. Does anybody know if Kamara is going to be healthy? Because if Kamara is healthy, this Saints team is completely different. The last I read that he's, he's going to be out, but I still think they're going to be fine. Yeah. Ingram's a more more than capable. A little nugget, a little nugget here about back. what I was thinking about this game. So the Bills notoriously travel well. And who's traveling to go to New Orleans on Thanksgiving Day in Buffalo? Right? They're going to be staying home with their families. So I think that, to me, was just like a weird calling that this just uh, they're not going to turn it around this week. There's, it's going to be 100% New Orleans fans. And that's a, it's a hard place to play, regardless of what day it is. I think Thanksgiving Day, it'll be extremely rowdy. It's weird, though. Like I was saying earlier, three or four weeks ago, this was a game that set up to be just a unbelievably exciting matchup for Thanksgiving Day. And the word of the day has been luster. It really has lost a lot of its yeah. luster based Raiders, on how these Cowboys teams have been well. performing recently. 
Yeah. Exactly. So not the best Thanksgiving slate, but what I said talking about the Lions Bears game, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's you're, you're going to watch every game. It's the perfect excuse to start having a glass of wine at noon. You're going to be eating all day. You're going to be sitting on the couch. It doesn't even matter what the game is going to be. It's going to be phenomenal. It's a it's the one of the best days of the year to watch football, drink wine, drink whatever cocktail you do with your families on Thanksgiving. I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be very, very, a very, very fun day. But bringing it back, as you know, we're a college football podcast. We have to talk about and give a picks, give our picks for a college football game. Probably you know, from the three games that we just listed, this is probably going to be the best, most competitive game on the slate. It's number twelve, Ole Miss, at number twenty-five, Mississippi State. The line here is Mississippi State minus one and a half. The over under sixty one and a half. I'll kick it over to our SEC guy. Yeah, SEC guy doesn't have a lot to say on this one. He hasn't watched a lot of Mississippi State this this year, but I will say this is a team that kind of has flown under the radar all year because they went two and two to start and lost to Memphis and a, a bad LSU team, so people started writing them off. But then they go in and they beat Kentucky and Auburn. I think they're not I think they are clicking on offense and it's been a long season for Ole Miss they're playing at Mississippi State I think minus one and a half is a trap line for a lot of people uh I I don't I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other but I think you got to take Mississippi State at home yeah so I again I don't know anything really about this game i know i've watched Ole miss play a few times i agree with you though they've had a grueling schedule they've had a real miss this is and it's at the end of the day when i don't know a whole lot about the teams i'm just gonna stick to the fact that it's a rivalry matchup it's gonna be close i'll take the home team mississippi state minus one and a half i'm gonna take lane lane and the rebels um this one's a toss-up to me. Um, I think Mississippi's a better team. Mississippi State's obviously at home. They are playing better as of late. But I look at it like this. So I think on Thanksgiving Day, Mississippi State's going to be home. There's going to be a lot of distractions. They're going to get nice and fat and happy on their Thanksgiving meal. Old Miss is going to be in a hotel room. They're going to be eating hotel food. And I think they're going to use that as motivation that it's us against the world. You know, Mississippi State's here at home, eating all their Thanksgiving food with friends and family. We're on the road. Um, and I think Lane's going to be able to doctor that up into a into an upset victory. What time is this game? Does anybody know? I think it's always a night game. Yeah, it's 6.30. So is it, is it going to – it'll be going on the same time as the NFL game? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it <laughs> – I, I definitely will not give this game precedence over the NFL game because NFL is always reserved, or excuse me, Thanksgiving is always reserved for NFL. Regardless, we had to throw it on there as, you know, being a college football podcast. We'll see how the picks go. I think at the end of the day, it's a, I, I keep saying it, it's, it doesn't matter who's playing. It's, the, it's just an incredible day to watch football. It really, truly, truly is. Throw in the egg ball, a little college football. If NFL isn't your cup of tea to kind of be a nightcap for you all. 
two of the uh, two of the better personalities in college football, though, with Leach and Kiffin, uh, will be fun to watch. That's right. At the very least, we have a great head coach matchup. Great personalities. Probably, like, uh, I would say Kiffin kind of loves the media. He goes up to me and Leach. I f- he's just the biggest weirdo of all time. Yeah. He's, he's talk bizarre. about a guy. Talk about a guy. If, if you're if you're bored and you want to really get some of some sound clips from Mike Leach, he has dozens of just the most bizarro sound bites you can possibly find on the internet. But that's what we got for our picks this week for our snake draft. We'll finish the episode with our snake draft. We're gonna do something a little different this time though. So in honor of Thanksgiving, we're gonna do the. Thanksgiving sides plus desserts. But how we're going to do this is we're going to give two Thanksgiving sides and two desserts. But you can choose whichever one you want in whatever order. So you can give one side, one dessert, one side, one dessert, or you can go two desserts, two sides. There's no specific order in which and how you want to give your picks. You just have to have two desserts and two Thanksgiving sides. Does that make sense? Yep. So, Mike, you're our guest. Would you do the honors in choosing the order? Um, yeah. It'll go me, Luke, Nick. Okay. Start us off. What you got? Is he going side? Is he going dessert? I don't know. You got to go mashed potatoes, the number one pick. It's the goat. It's consistent. You, can, you can't really mess up mashed potatoes. It goes well with vegetables. It goes well with turkey. You have to dump the gravy on it. You mix in the stuffing. I mean, it just it it's like the the binding. Mixing the what? Mixing the what? The turkey, the gravy, the stuffing. The stuffing. I mean, all that stuff. It's like the binding element that holds the plate together on Thanksgiving Day. See, I would yeah, say it's just. Go ahead, Luke. No, I was gonna go to my second pick. If we want to talk mashed potatoes more, that's fine. I was just gonna say that's it is it's the staple. Like everybody, turkey's obviously. St- a staple but the mashed potatoes you you can mix that with every single thing on the plate which makes it so like it, it makes it amazing and mashed potatoes was very high up on my list as well second overall pick i'm gonna take stuffing mike mike touched on it as he was talking about mashed potatoes but in my opinion stuffing connects the main dish to the more distant sides it's like it's like a side in the main dish and it's it's really only ever eaten on thanksgiving and so i don't know how it couldn't be on this list and very high on it uh stuffing number two overall pick what kind of stuffing does your family do because everybody has a little different kind of stuffing i know what my favorite stuffing is i'm curious to hear what yours is honestly and I don't know if I'm the only one, but whenever I am eating stuffing, it all looks like a smorgasbord of I don't know what. And so I, I don't really know what my stuffing is. So for me, my like the ultimate, like the number one type of stuffing has to have sausage in it. If sausage with stuffing is by far better than the other kinds of stuffing. I still like the other kinds, but if there's sausage in it, it puts it into a whole nother category of delicious i don't know if i've ever had sausage stuffing agree well if you want to be a hero is that a mama beasler special 
I don't know if Mama Beasley puts no, sausage no, in it. Uh, as of as of late, it's been uh, one of Matt's uh, in-laws who've been bringing the sausage stuffing. It's phenomenal. Uh, sausage jalapeno stuffing. I'm telling you, if you want to be a hero at your Thanksgiving, put a little tidbit in there. Change up the recipe. You could you could be a villain for also changing it up, but once they try it, they, they might change their mind. Okay, I'm up now. I am switching over to the dessert side, changing it up a little bit. No one's taking it, so essentially I have my first pick for desserts here. I have to take it. It's by far my favorite. It's apple pie, apple crisp with, uh, with ice cream. It's by far my favorite. The, the ice cream melts a little bit, so you get like a little soupy of the ice cream, a little li more liquid. The, the pairing that it has with the apple pie and the melted ice cream, I'm, my mouth is watering thinking about that right now. It's my favorite dessert. That's why I, I picked it first on my list. That's what wild, actually. Like that that, yeah, that was number one dessert on my list, too. I'm, I, I'm, I do I'm like scrambling. that, right? Like, I, I love apple pie with ice cream, but the problem with, my, with your selection is that kind of, like, transcends to every day of the year for me. Like, I could have apple pie and ice cream every day of the year. One, because it's so delicious. But two, no, I don't. I might look like I do, but I don't. <clears throat> but I'm more focused on, like, what do you have just for Thanksgiving? Because you can have apple pie on Christmas. You can have apple pie on a Wednesday. You can have apple pie anywhere. Um, so I would push back a little bit on that selection. That's fair. And I... Yeah, that that is fair. I just... To me, that's still like a delicacy. I don't really, I'm not making pies on a Wednesday. You can buy an apple pie, but there's something about making an apple pie. Granted, side note, I've never made an apple pie. Yeah, when was the last the time you made a pie? people have made, the, the people that I have Thanksgiving with, they make the apple pies. The Moresco's, I think my fiance Delia made the apple pie last year and it was fantastic. Have to give her a shout out there because it's it was it was fan like I said it was really really good. I don't have apple pies very much, homemade apple pies number one. My number two. I'm gonna take. There's not that many desserts, so I'm getting strategic here, and I'm gonna go dessert again here. I'm gonna go with the pecan bar. Ugh, you bastard. Not pecan pie, but the pecan bar. Dude, I one feel like two, every. <laughs> I think everything. <laughs> I gotta go online yeah, know, and start looking for more. <laughs> there's not, there's, there's only a handful of desserts, so I'm trying to take them off quickly. A little strategy here. The pecan bars are all like really, really good. I think they're much better than the pecan pies. Again, I feel like this isn't anything outlandish here, but everything with Thanksgiving, you probably should put it a scoop of ice cream with because ice cream makes everything better. Pecan bar with a scoop of ice cream is my pick number two. I don't even like pecans, but that was going to be my second pick because it's Thanksgiving and for some reason it tastes that much better. Right. Yep. You only have it once a year. That's right. Yep. I like those two picks a lot. All right, Mike, back to you. Is it no. me? Are we getting Wait, lost? No. In the, are Luke, we getting I got lost. lost. I got lost. Every episode, someone gets lost. I'm gonna. I'm Luke's gonna. Panic right now. I'm. I'm I'm trying to decide what I'm gonna do. I'm stalling. Um, tell me tell me if this doesn't f 
doesn't work. Okay, but what I I am going to go in the same vein as Beesler, and I'm going to go with blackberry cobbler, blackberry cobbler with like vanilla ice cream. I think it plays. If you have it on Thanksgiving, it plays. I, I, that's how everybody's family has different traditions, different desserts. I think if you have it on Thanksgiving, it, it should play. And I think like blackberry cobbler, like that's like a, a real name. It's not just like blackberry pie and, and ice cream, like apple pie and ice cream, right? So yeah. you, have you ever had it on Thanksgiving? Have I had blackberry cobbler? I'm yeah. going to have to have someone make it for me so I can eat it this time <laughs> <laughs> Oh. All right, so black blackberry cobbler was a was a top ten dessert dish for Thanksgiving. <laughs> if you Google best desserts for Thanksgiving, you're gonna see blackberry cobbler pretty high on the list somewhere. <laughs> it's www.countryliving.com. <laughs> That's incredible. All right, that blackberry cobbler. I can't wait to hear how your blackberry cobbler is this year, Mishu. I have to ask someone to make it for me. <laughs> All right, let's, let's move, move it on, move it on. Back to Mike. So just to, just to confirm, I can do two sides and two desserts. I can't do like three sides, one dessert, just two of each, right? Two and two. Yep, so my uh, second side uh, selection is going to be uh, rolls. I think rolls is like the most, it's like the most... Uh, underappreciated di side dish of a thanksgiving plate because once you finish you have your leftover mashed potatoes a little bit of leftover gravy maybe some leftover brussels sprouts or casserole and what do you do you take your roll out from the basket or two and you make like a little bit of like a kind of a smorgasbord roll sandwich with the leftovers from your plate and you take down one or two of them at the end um, and it's just it's just the best way to finish off Thanksgiving meal is to scoop up all your leftovers with a nice either a croissant roll or cornbread or a nice dinner roll, and you make a little bit of a sandwich, and it's it's just phenomenal. Underappreciated. Uh, yeah, I see. I don't. I could go through a full Thanksgiving day without having a single roll and be completely happy. Where what I will say to give you some credit here. I think rolls are extremely underappreciated for the next day, the leftover day, because no one eats the rolls on actual Thanksgiving, so you have leftover rolls, and that's where you make your Thanksgiving, your leftover sandwiches, yeah. and the Thanksgiving sandwiches are extremely underappreciated. But every every Thanksgiving so you, party has a has a roll person though, right? Like they never, you, who makes rolls? No one ever makes rolls. You just buy them from the store. But everyone on Thanksgiving has that one grandma, aunt, weird uncle, whatever, that they're going to make their rolls. And homemade rolls are just so much better than the store-bought rolls. Here's my other thing about rolls is there's only so much real estate that you can, you can have on Thanksgiving. And so you have to be extremely selective and picky and and a roll like is a, it expands and it, and it takes up a lot of space and are you are you getting the bang for your buck with a roll or but that's you know? why you eat it at the end you you <laughs> eat your plate right so you get your one or two plates you eat it and then it's like you've got a little bit of gravy a little bit of turkey a little bit of this and that you take the roll and you scoop it all up 
shovel it all in, and it's your nice binder <laughs> to take your afternoon nap while Tim Boyle's throwing his fifth pick of the day. <laughs> what? So what? What we're really learning here is you're a big shoveler. You're you're a big. Yes. Like, there's stuff got on the, the plate. What do I, I? I don't want to use a fork. I want to use something else to eat everything else off this uh, plate. I want to use potatoes. And I want to use. I want to use food to eat my food. I don't want silverware. I want food <laughs> to eat my food. Absolutely. I, um, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Uh, rolls. All right, rolls. We, you have it. Homemade rolls. I think we need to classify that as though, right? Absolutely. Homemade no, no, rolls. no, no, no store bought okay. rolls. No um, store bought. Okay, so my two sides are up. So I'm going to go with my first dessert as pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie was a dessert that grew on me slowly, but you never eat pumpkin pie except for Thanksgiving, right? It's the only day of the year you eat pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie, is it really that good? I don't really think it's that good. But you only eat it on Thanksgiving, so it's kind of like... It's kind of like candy corn, right? Like no one really eats candy corn, maybe on Halloween, but it's synonymous with Halloween, just like pumpkin pie is with Thanksgiving. Give me some pumpkin pie, give me some Cool Whip, maybe a little bit of ice cream, and we'll call it good. For pumpkin pie, what's what's an appropriate, and I, I feel like I have an answer to this question, but what's an appropriate amount of Cool Whip to put on the pumpkin pie? It has to cover the entire pumpkin topping, but it can't touch the crust, right? And I think I think an inch height of the Cool Whip that covers the entire pumpkin, you know, portion of the pie, but no crust. Inch height. That's a lot of Cool Whip, right? Absolutely. Like, but, everything... when, but when do you ever eat Cool Whip? I don't even know what Cool Whip really I, is. I'm looking I at pictures, it and it's just a little, like... You're talking you like what, that's that's the only wrong answer right there. <laughs> My answer was there is no amount, a uh, limited amount. You put as much Cool Whip as you want on that pumpkin. It's your pie only time you're eating sure Cool that... Whip all year. But also, that's the only way the pumpkin pie tastes good is if you load it up with Cool Whip. <laughs> Otherwise, like Mike was saying, the pumpkin pie is not that good. You have to no. load it up with Cool Whip. No. What's more synonymous? Kind of like taking one for the team, you know, because like it's, everyone has a grandma that makes pumpkin pie. That it's like, oh, I brought my pumpkin pie, and it's like, oh, it's really not that good, but I'm gonna eat it because it's Thanksgiving. So let's go. Yeah, you would feel bad if no one touched the pumpkin pie. You can't. You can't finish the pie that grandma brought. You can't do it because then she's gonna go home, on her drive home, she's gonna be thinking, no one ate my pie, and no one wants that situation. No one wants an upset grandma on Thanksgiving night. No. I, I will say, before, before we move on from pumpkin pie, you always have one or two people that they will die on the hill that they absolutely love pumpkin pie, and it is by far their favorite pie or their favorite dessert of Thanksgiving. And I don't believe that person. Whenever they, I'm glad that person's there so they can eat the pumpkin pie, and I don't necessarily have to. But I don't believe that person when they say their favorite dessert is pumpkin pie. Agree, because they never eat it another day of the year. <laughs> All right, we got we got Luke. He he's in his own world over here. He's trying to Google more desserts. I know he's rattled right now mm. because 
you he needs to recover. Him. We're looking at him. He, no, he's I had completely off the screen trying to get another dessert here. I had one. I had one that I was like in reserve because it's like a little unique. So I was, there's no way you guys are going to say it. But the, my one, two, and three went off the board real quick, or my one and two went off the board real quick. So I had to. I needed. I needed backup. Well, you're up. So am I? I thought Mike goes twice. Yeah. Mike gave rolls and pumpkin pie. Oh, that's right. He's Shoot. lost in the snake. <laughs> or or he's stalling. It's one of the two. All right. I am going to go with my side next. And, and I have just a clarifying question for my side. Where does, like, cranberry, cranberry sauce, like, where does that fall? That's a side. Yeah. So definitely cranberries slash cranberry sauce for my my second side. All right. I know this is, this is kind of a polarizing side, potentially. Where do you guys fall? I'll say this. I am so happy that you chose cranberry sauce because I am not a fan of it, but it has to be on, a, on your list for Thanksgiving. It has to be because it's always there on Thanksgiving. Again, it could be one of those side dishes that doesn't really get touched but it's always there, so it has to be on a snake draft of Thanksgiving sides. I don't even, I never put cranberries have you tried on my it? dish. I have. It's just, it's it's not for me, but I know people that absolutely love it. I'm not so going good. to, I'm not going to bash anyone that enjoys cranberries because, again, it's, it's just not my cup of tea. It's not, if I don't like it, that doesn't mean it's not good. It's just not for me, but I'm very happy you put it on there. Yeah, it's 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 genuine. It has just a, that's just a fact. Like no one eats the cranberry sauce unless the, the person who brought it. That's the person who's for eating the cranberry sauce. So you're you guys are anti cranberry sauce. Big out, big out on the cranberry sauce, and we have oh. and, and our mom's from is our mom's from Boston, and so she's a big fan of it. She's the only one that eats the cranberry sauce. Oh my gosh. Tell her to send it my way. It's so good. Every piece of turkey, every everything. I, I will say, I don't, I kind of like come into this realization. And it really comes down to what your families have, right? And our mom likes cranberry sauce, but I don't think my dad likes cranberry sauce. I don't think Matt, my brother, oldest brother, likes it. And Mike, you certainly don't like it. And I don't like it. So I wonder if it is a family thing where. Maybe you have it at a young age and you really, I don't know. It tastes, I don't, I'm, I don't It looks get into funky, this. right? I get like as a kid, like it looks funky. Like why am I putting fruit on my turkey, right? But then I tried it one time and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a game changer. I've also never had blackberry pie at Thanksgiving, so. <laughs> cobbler. cobbler. Either of oh, I, yeah, sorry, cobbler. <laughs> blackberry cobbler. <laughs> so, so do you put, you put cranberry on your turkey, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you put cranberry on your turkey, and you prefer that over gravy? No, no. I, you got you got the turkey, you got the gravy pieces, and you got the cranberry piece, and sometimes they they intersect and they over. I mean, at the end of the day, my plate is like a smorgasbord, right? And, and so you, you get a little and bit. You're exactly there. right. And then you know what? You get a roll. The roll. Man, you just <laughs> scoop it all up. <laughs> I see. I I completely. I think the cranberry in the smorgasbord is a dominating taste though no it's like, like a nice it. little tang to the to everything else that is so carby 
the the I don't, I, I'm thinking about the rules. It's it's cracking me up. <laughs> I just imagine There's Mike. Always... At, at, I imagine Mike with like a a plate on his belly, like with two like he split his roll, Hawaiian rolls in half, and he's just doing like one of these like oh, across yeah. his plate. <laughs> it, it's a unique technique to get everything to like scoop in to the roll without losing the integrity of the roll where it falls apart. That's, I mean, that's hilarious. The rolls and now cr- cranberry sauce is a Thanksgiving special. The fact that rolls made it still, is gonna, it's going to crack me up. It's very, very funny. Your your reasoning is not flawed, though. It, you have a reason behind it. Therefore, I will respect the roll pick. Back to me. I've got the two final picks. They are both going to be sides. This one is going to be sweet potato casserole. And it's got the pecans on top. It's more of it's it's almost like a dessert, right? You guys, pecans you guys on top. Luke, yeah, like a like they baked pecans that you put in the oven and they they harden and then you scoop you it up. You don't like the ones casserole. with marshmallows on top, do you? Not a marshmallow Me? guy. It's got to be the pecans. No, I, I do, but that would I think fall under more the dessert, probably for for the sake of this draft right so tell me the so difference you, between a sweet potato casserole and a, and a pumpkin pie one's a sweet potato but if you eat them side by side <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know if you can t- taste the difference they're both orange but that doesn't mean they're the same uh, if you taste them side <laughs> by side you're not completely gonna, you're different. not gonna find they no they don't completely different no they don't they taste completely different. I totally the, disagree. So, no, no, or Mike, or Mike is getting confused. Is they're both orange and they both have like white stuff on top, but no, <laughs> it's <laughs> they are they are the exact same thing. We're so we're getting a little off the, the the rails here per usual, but I don't I don't want the marshmallows. I want the the pecans on mine with the brown sugar, sweet potato with like the brown sugar in it. Yeah, that's pumpkin that's, pie. That's that's my pick. <laughs> yes, okay, okay. and you throw and you, you know, throw I, some I don't nut, and, you, and you probably you probably want some nutmeg in there. It's pecan. Oh, that's a uh, pumpkin pie. <laughs> it's not pumpkin pie, but we'll we'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, I've got a, I have one more side to put in here. This is for sure my I want to say my least favorite side, but it's a side that you have to put on your plate just so you to like make. I it like seem this like slide. Healthy. I like this side. Green bean casserole. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like the side too, but again, if you didn't want to be like, all right, I, I'm eating like a complete pig. You throw on your green bean casserole. Here are some vegetables. I'm eating a little healthy, but you never put actually that many green beans on your plate because you don't want to. It's wasted space at the end of the day. You want to save more for the potatoes. You want to save more for the turkey. You want to save more for the sweet potato casserole that is not pumpkin pie. You want it for Mike's case. You want to save for the rolls, but you have to have some greens on your plate because you want to be healthy. Green bean casserole that'll finalize my snake draft list. Do you like the uh, the crispy onions on top of the green bean casserole? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. like fried, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really not that healthy because there's a ton of butter in there. There's the crispy onions. But at the end of the day, it's green. It's the only, and you're not really having a salad on Thanksgiving. Like you, you start with a salad, but again, you make the smallest salad possible because you don't want to waste space. And then when you get to your main meal, your main plate, you put a little bit of green casserole or a green, yeah, green bean casserole. And the green beans will never make 
plate number two. They never make plate two. Ever. The plate, it's just a plate one thing. The plate gets progressive. The, the, the second trip, the third trip gets progressively and progressively more yellow slash orange. <laughs> Gravy, turkey, potatoes, and stuffing is really what the second plate Macaroni, is. Macaroni, corn, all of it. Yeah. Macaroni. I don't know if I have too much macaroni on my Thanksgiving. You guys really? big macaroni family. We have macaroni. I mean, macaroni. It uh, yeah, it makes its way there for sure. Fair enough. You're up again. You've got your dessert. Let's let's see what the deep dark pages of the internet brought up on this one. No, no, this one is the one that I had the whole time, and it I don't. It's not really a like exclusive to Thanksgiving. The reason why I put on my Thanksgiving list is because Elena makes these, my cousin, and she only will make them for Thanksgiving. And I ask her every year, like, you're going to make a tray for, like, everybody, but I want you to make a tray just for me that I can take home after Thanksgiving. And that's, she makes the best s'mores bars. Can't beat that. Huh? You can't beat that. You can't beat them. Okay, yeah. No, I mean, I... And I... (laughs) Michi was set up his defense attorney. He was getting ready. <laughs> I thought he said. I thought you said you can't. You it can't be that. And I was like, No, you oh, can't. You shit. can't beat that. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, and the the thing is, like, it doesn't matter how much I have throughout the day. Like, and I can always house like half a, a pan of of s'mores bars. Yeah, we'll we'll absolutely let that or let you have that pick because we we certainly don't want you to throw another thing that you actually don't have on Thanksgiving on this list. The only thing I didn't have was a blackberry cobbler. I had to sneak it in. <laughs> uh, too funny. Too funny. So, Mike, you have the honor of... So, my last uh, pick. my last side is the, the post-Thanksgiving side ache. Uh, after you've had a full <laughs> belly, right? You've, you've had your... Two or three plates, you've had your like charcuterie board before, you're like half a bottle of wine deep, maybe a couple of brewskis, maybe the bourbon's coming out, you never know. Then you get into the, the dessert and you, you start feeling that pinch, right? That, that pinch in your side that you've ate way too much, probably gained 10 or 15 pounds of, of food that you've consumed in the last two hours. And that side ache always results in two-way nap. So that the side ache nap uh like right that's, around that's like, gonna be your dessert your dessert play no. <laughs> no i'm just no i'm just kidding <laughs> no my last my last dessert is uh the strawberry rhubarb pretzel casserole i think this is i think this is a german catholic like topeka kansas thing but it's basically strawberry rhubarb pie but the base layer instead of a cracker crust is a pretzel crust so you get these like strawberry whipped cream, cream cheese filling, pretzel crust in a little bars, top notch. And I don't know, I don't think that's a strictly a Beesler dessert dish because I have, I've heard other people talk about it, but it is not that popular. Yeah. But my goodness, is that tasty. It looks it's like it deserves so some like that, ice cream on it. Oh, it's just phenomenal. <clears throat> so it's, so it's like whipped cream almost in the middle with like a strawberry jello top layer with the whipped cream in the middle and the bottom base is like buttered pretzels that harden together to form kind of the like a pie crust of pretzels on yeah. the bottom. 
That's a fantastic pick. It's Ooh. it's unbelievable. That's a strong way to finish. Strong way to finish. You've never had that, Luke. I'm assuming. No, I'm looking at it online, and and the pictures. It looks like there's a lot of different ways to do it. You guys do it with pretzels. I'm sure there are. Pretzels is yeah. That's how we do it. Well, that's how the the people that make it do it. Mike and I, I don't think I've ever made it again. But. <laughs> no, I'm not. But it's delicious. What's uh? So Luke, I think. I think at the end of the day, with this draft. I'm I'm a, I'm coming to the conclusion that either you guys don't really do desserts or just you just happen to have the, only the desserts that were mentioned before your picks. I'm get, I'm a little nervous about the desserts at the Mishu Mishu household on Thanksgiving. No, there there's a fair amount of desserts. I I tend to like I tend to subside before we I get there fully. I come out of the gates a little bit too hot. You have a couple glasses of wine early. You get really excited when they say, everybody, let's go eat food. And then I'm on the couch. And typically I'm complaining about my my horrible picks for the NFL. And then uh, I'll grab like I'll grab my s'mores bars for sure. But not, not necessarily jumping on everything else. Um, I wanted to ask, though, going off topic a little bit, is there like one tradition that you guys do? that is like a Thanksgiving tradition? I'll let Mike answer that. So for me, it's been a little bit more difficult because I haven't been able to spend that many Thanksgivings with my family due to my schedule and my my playing schedule throughout the year, throughout the years. So I haven't been home for that many Thanksgivings recently. I don't know what you guys do now, but I always remember going, we always used to go to Topeka when we were kids uh, to my grandmother's house, all of our family would go, and I really don't remember there being a bad Thanksgiving day in terms of weather. So we t- tended to always be outside, whether we were playing horse, they had a basketball hoop, or throwing a football around. But it almost always consisted of being outside. As we got a little bit older, that turned into um, shooting clay pigeons. That always got, you know, as we became a little bit more responsible. Um, we would shoot clay pigeons, which was always fun. I don't know what, Mike, now that you guys have kids, you could probably, what do you guys do now? Yeah, I mean, I would agree with you that feels like always in Kansas, we somehow stumble upon a really beautiful day. So we go play backyard football or shoot clay pigeons or play basketball or whatever. The most recent tradition, I would say, is uh, my father, um always tries to bring out a nice bottle of wine and he he like makes it a big deal right he's like i got this nice bottle of wine it's like you know it's been looking for it it's been hard for me to find and he brings it out everyone gets like a small pour and it's it's always been kind of a fun tradition recently but it's it's hard with kids is he like a sommelier yeah he's he, he is not the best uh sommelier no he's not no, like, is he like a big wine connoisseur guy? I didn't know this. No, he's not. That's why it's it's always kind of funny to my brother. That's fun. Like, he, he brings out, like, a bottle of Camus that you can find <laughs> at every liquor store in the country. He's like, oh, I got this new bottle. <laughs> um. <laughs> he, he's better than that, but it, it is funny. He always he does like to talk about his wines. It, it, it is pretty funny. He's definitely better than that. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny though. We like we like to give my dad a hard time because he he's notorious for 
certain things where he'll he'll have a memory of something and then he'll talk about that memory for the next five years so you'll hear the same memory five years later and then we we always pick up on it and then we get he's also not to make this about papa papa greg but he also is notorious for everything he eats that he likes is the best thing he's ever had so that, that was the best breakfast burrito i've ever had or the best steak i've ever had and so every Thanksgiving, he's he always has the best wine he's ever tasted. That that's a that's a great way to put it. You know, Dad, we love you. We, we we didn't mean to turn this into a roast of you, but we we love you. I know you I listen know. to the show, Dad. He so. does. He's like one of the only people that likes our Instagram. <laughs> it's like the first person yeah. every time. We we love you. We love you, Dad. Still bring the nice bottle of wine to Thanksgiving, please. Thank you. <laughs> At the. Uh, <laughs> At, Mich- at the Michigan Thanksgiving, we kind of have like a this, this like fun or this like fun t- tradition that have, um, that has stayed the same over the years. But so now it's kind of a weird tradition. When we were younger, everyone would always watch. We'd go over to my my grandmother's house. We'd watch the first NFL game, the second NFL game. But at night, the kids would always go to a movie, and there are like fifteen cousins, and they span like almost. 20 years age range and so we would always we couldn't take like the three and four year old girls to go see a like an action movie or like a r-rated movie so we'd always have to go watch like the latest you know pre-christmas disney pixar release but now it's 10 15 years later the youngest is like 17 or 16 the oldest is 33 we still go to the movie every night, but we still always go see like the latest Disney movie. I looked at it today. I think the the one we'll probably end up going to see is El Canto or Encanto. Yeah, Encanto. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, so we'll all all you know, eight, sixteen to thirty three, we'll end up going to see that. It's kind of fun. A tradition that certainly has lived its time. Yeah. And it's, continu- it's continuing to stay strong. That's the best part about these these holidays when you get all the families. You continue traditions that have been going on for years and years. That's awesome. I tell you what, I think that'll that does it for the show. That was probably one of my favorite episodes of recording. It was different, but it something about the mood of Thanksgiving, talking about the food, talking about football. Me, personally, having my brother on the show, I won't be home for Thanksgiving, so sharing some of these memories of Thanksgiving was awesome. I had a blast. Thank you, Mike, for coming on the show. I know this was a little bit longer. I know you have your family at home, but that was awesome. I had a blast. I feel like this is one we've been looking forward to for a while. Yeah, me too. I was thrilled to uh, get the call back. It was a, I was almost a, for me, it was a blessing that you could not get on a couple weeks ago it kind of got pushed back and it set up the a really good thanksgiving episode and i didn't sure i certainly didn't expect it to turn out like it did but it was awesome i hope all you listeners enjoy the show that's what we have for our episode 12 everybody who's listening enjoy your thanksgiving hopefully you guys get to spend it with your families and enjoy some football at the end of the day right enjoy it so thank you